brioche with caramel lime filling, quick espresso versus specialty coffee, and Chiavinesca wine. This week, we're back in Milan. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. If you like food and travel, well, this is the place. Each week, we visit a different foodie city and explore its cuisine. And this week, we're back in Milan with foodie guide and writer Jackie DiGiorgio. But first, if you like the podcast, be sure and rate and review us on your podcast app. It's a quick little thing you can do to help us get noticed by more foodie travelers just like you. Jackie DiGiorgio is back after her appearance on the podcast last week. If you missed that show, you can hear it at radiomisfits.com slash DED251. It was a great show. Jackie told me about gelato and cocktails in Milan. And this week, we're talking coffee culture and the best places to get an espresso, as well as a decadent coffee drink invented in Milan that's surprisingly difficult to find. And to go with your coffee, we're trying some mini pastries and panettone. Plus, Jackie gives me a primer on the local Lombardy wine region. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Jackie DiGiorgio, welcome back to Destination, Eat, Drink. It's great to have you back on the show again. Thank you. It's great to be back. You know, you really... Um, I talked about this last week when you were on the show, and you really opened my eyes about Milan when we sat down and had coffee when Karen and I were visiting your city, and even more so last week as we had more time to sit and kind of discuss the food and the culture of Milan. So thanks for doing that. It was great, and as, as is my way, we get to talking, and I was like, you know what? There's more stuff I want to talk about. So uh, let's talk about more stuff about Milan. How about that? That sounds great. Let's get going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I love talking about Milan. So (laughs) so you, you say, think of Milan as an international city, but I'm still going to talk about some things that are distinctly Italian culture. And one of those is coffee culture, because when I go to Italy... I know I'm going to be drinking coffee. I know I'm going to be loving coffee. I know I'm going to be just, you know, just blown away by the baristas and their attention to detail and their love for their craft. So let's talk a little bit about coffee culture. What is it about uh, coffee in Milan? So what I particularly love about Milan's coffee culture is that I think there's a, a great mix of the classic places when you think of the typical Italian coffee bar where you go, you get your espresso or cappuccino in the morning, you drink it really quickly and then get go back on your way to, to whatever you're doing. You go to start your work day or whatnot. But there there's also a lot of specialty coffee places that have opened recently, or rather not a lot, a lot. I would say a, a strong handful of places that encourage more of the experience of, of going and sitting and sipping and and taking your time and at these places they they have you know they they serve food and you can 
baked goods or whatnot, and you can just enjoy and, and sit. And I remember, you know, going to Paris, especially before I moved in Italy, and you kind of have this idea of the Parisian cafe where you can sit and linger for as long as you want. And that wasn't really the way in Italy. Like, sure, as far as I can remember, when I first moved here, there were places where you go and you have, you know, there's one price at the bar, there's one price when you're sitting inside, and there's another price sitting outside and whatnot. But I feel like now that the idea of having a coffee and sitting and lingering is much more encouraged and much more mainstream. And I love that. Yeah, because Milan has that reputation of go, go, go. And in so many places in Italy, it's like at the bar, there's not even a place to sit. You know, there's a, there's a little there's a little yeah. bar underneath where you can kind of prop your foot up on. But that that's about it. It's like have your espresso, be on your way. And that's, you know, for good reason. You're you know, you're doing this on your way to work or you're doing this on a short break from work or whatever. Um, what are some of these places where you like to go and, and linger over a cup? I love Pave which that opened in 2012. And it was a game changer for Milan. When I had moved to Italy, it had been open for a year. And what's interesting about this place, if, if you go in there, you could be anywhere. You could be in Brooklyn. You could be in Berlin. You could be in, in Melbourne. It doesn't have that particular charm of an old school Italian coffee shop. It has more of a contemporary charm. And it, it they do they they have a laboratory as well where they they do a lot of baking so it has some of the best baked goods in the city so I, what i love about it is you go and sometimes especially if you go on the weekend you're going to have to wait a little bit there there's always a line outside they take down your name and then they will seat you first come first served but they have a a nice range of, of coffee drinks. And one thing in particular that I love about them is that they have oat milk. You're seeing that at more coffee shops. Mm, good. If you're going there, you would have to have, they have a brioche that for which they're really famous called the Cento Sessanta, which means 160. And it's filled with the amount of jam that I think had been boiled down from 160 grams of fruit. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> it's apricot the, the flavor, and it's just I, I love having that alongside the the cappuccino or whatever I'm having there. And they recently just added a, a, a brioche with caramel and lime filling that was just incredible. Oh, so man. I kind of love how you go there, you find the traditional Italian filling with the, the apricot, which you're going to find at, at every spot. But you're not going to find a brioche with a caramel lime filling inside it, which is really cool. You're only going to find that at Pave. So I think that's interesting. Oh, and just to clarify, I should say the brioche in Milan is what they call what Southern Italy calls the cornetto, like the the, the pastry that kind of resembles a croissant. Right. In right. Milan, they call it a brioche. <laughs> I, I want to talk more about pastry in detail, but first I, I want to go back to the coffee for just a second um, because I'm wondering, because when we went to uh, Turin, there's all of these ornate coffee houses. Um, you see some of them in Naples too. I, you know, all over Italy you see them. But um, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't stumble upon too many in Milan. Do, do they have any of these old school ornate places where you go in and, and the design is just like, oh, wow. <laughs> there, there are, there's a few 
old, the torrefazione, that's when you see that in front of a, a coffee shop, it means a roaster. So there are a few old school places like that, but they're not as ornate as the ones you would find in Turin with, with that huge sit down co coffee culture. One place that jumps out for me is Torrefazione Odaida, which was in the old neighbor, the neighborhood I used to live in. And it's been there since I believe the 1930s. And it's just so charming and so warm. Like you go in there and there's just a really nice, warm, inviting feeling to it. And what I love about this place, though, is that it, you know, you get all the traditional coffee drinks, but they're also a, a bit adapted to contemporary times and you, they'll have a matcha latte. They offer drinks for the um, the summer, some special cold drinks like an almond milk flavored coffee or pistachio coffee and whatnot. And they also, in the winter, you can find an interesting drink there, one that's few and far between these days. It's called the Barbayada. <laughs> Barbayada, yes. I went into a place called, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, Hodeda. And I, because I heard they had the bar, barba yeda and I mm -hmm. asked, I asked for it. And the woman behind the counter started laughing at me. <laughs> I was like, why? Oh. <laughs> I was like, why? She's like, no, winter only. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, but I'm here now. Can't, and she's like, no, we're not making that for you now. And she pointed me to a, a machine. It looked like a Slurpee machine and they had this, um, it's like a coffee slushy thing that they were serving for summer. And it was delicious. It was fabulous. But I still haven't had the uh, barbayata yet. So where, where do you, you can, there are places I can get it year round? From what I understand, there is a place that, that's the Torrefazione that you had mentioned, the one in my neighborhood I was talking about, the Odaida, where oh, they have the, okay. uh, it's so, yeah, it's a tricky name to, to say, yes, but I'm glad that you went there. I love that play. Well, it's in my old neighborhood now. I love it. They have a whole bunch of teas and, and it's just, it's really, I, I think they did a nice job of keeping their original charm, but being able to meet all the different contemporary tastes and preferences. There is a place called Vergani. One, there's one near Porto Romana, and there, there's a few other throughout the city, and they're, they're said to have the Barbayada year-round. And Pave, will, I think, should, you should have it in the winter as well. We haven't even said, what is a Barbayada? How is it made? What What is in it? Uh, so that is sort of, it's a... It's a hot chocolate drink, but it also has coffee in it, and it's topped with whipped cream. And you can find that's pretty much the drink in its most basic form. At Torrefazione Odaida, they add rum to it. And it's oh, a drink that man. dates back. Yeah. <laughs> You're making me <laughs> You're regret even more than I wanted. <laughs> you just have to come back in the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's a drink that's um, it's actually pretty cool because the drink itself has deco status, which is denominazione comunale or communal communal denomination, because it's a drink or it's a it's a food or you know a gastronomic product that's considered integral to the culinary culture of the city. Other dishes in Milan that have that are the risotto alle milanese, the costelletta, the mondegili, which are meatballs fried 
beef meatballs. So it's it's cool that this drink has earned that recognition. It dates back to the early 1800s, early mid 1800s. There was a man named Domenico Barbaya, and he worked at a cafe called Cafe de Virtuosi, which was next to La Scala. And there's so many different stories out there. Some people say he invented the drink himself. Some people say he was the manager and one of his staff members created this drink. But whatever the case, there was this Cafe de Virtuosi where the drink was created and he is tied to it and the drink is named for him. And it was wildly popular for, you know, until the 1930s. And then it started to to fizzle out. So it's kind of a shame that it's so few and far between in Milan. It's really hard to find. There are some chefs, though, who like the chef Davide Odani, whose restaurant Do is outside of Milan. It's in the province of Milan, but not in the city center. And he has a dessert version of it. Oh, wow. And then I recently, yeah, it's supposed to be great. I was only, I haven't been to that restaurant in years, but next time I go, I have to try that. And there's a restaurant I went to recently called Mana where they had, you know, the affogato, which is the typical Italian drink where you flood the scoop of ice cream with an espresso. Mm -hmm. Well, they offered a pistachio barbellada. So they sort of flooded a scoop of pistachio ice cream with a barbellada. And I thought that was cool. That is awesome. (laughs) I I kind of fell into a a rabbit hole on this guy, uh, Barbella, um, who maybe invented it maybe one of his employees did that that guy is has a fascinating history like he ran la scala like in a he got rich off of making these um you know these drinks running these coffee houses and he parlayed that money into becoming like this he he made all kinds of money and one thing that he did was apparently he ran la scala for a while and ran the gambling operation because in La Scala, they had like a casino in the foyer when it first opened. So this guy is like, he, he's not just inventing coffee drinks, man. He's, he's got people gambling. He's lying in his pockets with all kinds of money. And apparently at one point, he was also basically an arms dealer during the Napoleonic Wars. At least that's what my research uh, uncovered about this guy. Really fascinating. It is. He was a hustler. And you're right. I've read all this stuff, too. And I know after when he was done with Milan, he went to Naples and he just sort of lived as this like he he became this opera impresario. Some say the the most impressive of all time, if not the most impressive in Italy. It's really he has a really fascinating story. He'd make an interesting biography topic, I think. Yeah, it would make a great movie, I think. (laughs) We'll we'll film it in Milan. We'll film it in Naples. I think he was in Vienna maybe for a while. (laughs) He was. You're right. You were absolutely right about that. Yes. So fun. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about one of my favorite topics, which is pastries and... Man, we we went to some great uh, pastry shops when we were there. I think one of my favorites was uh, Marchese 1824. That place was great. Um, we went to a place called uh, Inamura, which was I really liked a lot. It's a it looked like it was an old husband and wife team working in there. Um, those were a couple of my favorite places. But uh, what places do you like to go to, Jay? Oh, well, first of all, do you like those two places that I mentioned? 
Yes, I absolutely love both of those places. Marchese is just a classic. And I I, I know I went there for the first time before I even lived in Milan. And Idolcina Mora is close to where I used to live. So some mornings I would pop in there for... um, you know, a cappuccino or a a brioche in in the day. So those are excellent spots. And other places I love, obviously there was Pave that I was talking about. I love Martizana where we met for the, the coffee. Yes, that place was great. There's a lovely pastry shop called Officini del Dolce, which is on Corso Lodi. It's in the, the Southern part. Uh, of Milan, and they do a lot of gluten-free pastries there. And what I th- what's a, I think this place is worth mentioning because it's not far from the Fondazione Prada or the, the Prada Foundation. So I think it warrants a visit if anyone's going to, to the, the Prada Foundation and is just looking for a quick bite after nearby. There's um, a place I love. It's not quite a a, a bakery proper. It's sort of one of those places right now that there's a lot of places that have been opening that sort of wear many hats. They do breakfast, they do lunch, they do an aperitivo, they have natural wines. And so one of them I love is called Serra del Quartiere on Via Melzo. And another great place to go is Loste Cafe, which is kind of in the Risorgimento neighborhood. Those are places that do pastries and other sorts of food as well and, and specialty coffee. Oh, and um, Maritin, Maritin, the Pasticceria Maritin, which is around the Risorgimento neighborhood. Those are all great places. And I'm sure there's but there's plenty more as well that I'm missing, but those are all some of my favorites. <laughs> you know, one trend that I've noticed, um, well, I've really noticed it everywhere, this trend of, of mini pastries, um, but especially in Milan. I mean, in Lisbon, you can get mini pastel donatas and stuff like that. But in Milan, it seemed like all of these places, there's tons and tons of choices of these mini pastries. And um, I really like this because if you just get a little one, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, I don't consume as many calories. For me, I look at it and I go, well, I can get three of them now, <laughs> you know, and I can try three different mini things, um, you know, a little tiramisu and a little, you know, uh, cheesecake tart and a little, you know, maybe a little chocolate truffle. And to me, that makes life much, much better. <laughs> Have you noticed this trend of, of mini pastries? Yes, and I agree with you. 100 percent. I that's what I what I love about that is especially when I want different things because I have such a sweet tooth. But like the place where we had went to Martisana, what I love about that is, you know, we had the the, the canoncino, which is what um, Karen had had. I had the, the mini tiramisu and you had the um, you know, that little pistachio dish, yes, but the little course. pistachio pastry. <laughs> Always but pistachio what, with me. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I, I agree. I, I love, well, what I especially love though, is when the places like Martizana has, and I didn't have it that day, when they had a, a, t- a tiny little soccer tort pastry, because that's one of my favorite sweets in Milan, the the soccer tart, which originated in Vienna, but it reflects, it's very popular in Milan because of the, it reflects the time when Milan was under Austrian rule. So nowadays that sweet is just as Milanese as uh, the risotto. So it's something that I love and it's so rich. So I love that I can just go get a tiny little portion of it and get my fill instead of 
you know, having to buy an entire cake of it or even an entire slice, which can be a little, um, but still big. <laughs> what What is it exactly? Oh, so it is chocolate cake with a tiny thin layer of apricot jam, and then it's covered in chocolate fondant. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Apricot and chocolate is so good together. Oh, man. It's pretty dreamy, yes. <laughs> you mentioned the uh, canocchini, and um, mm-hmm. describe that because I wasn't familiar with that until uh, we got to Milan. So that is, that's a lovely little treat. It's sort of a a cylinder puff pastry that's filled with cream. And then the end of it is dipped into, one end is dipped into like a a sponge cake. And that's nicknamed the Canolo of the North because it's so typical. It originated in Piedmont, but, you know, there's so much overlap between, you know, the the Milan and even the the Lombard culinary traditions and Piemonte. So now it's pretty much a signature suite of Milan. And it's one of those suites that's very popular on a Sunday afternoon. It's something you will always find at someone's house. If you're going there for Sunday lunch, they will either have a tray of it or you might bring that to them as the guest. Before we get off of uh, pastries, I did want to mention the uh, panettone because that originated in Milan. And this is now famous worldwide. I mean, we used to get them in the U.S. all the time. But for me, the thing about I I would see the panettone in the windows of the Milanese uh, pastellerias. And, you know, they're the artisan ones are like 42 euros and they're huge. You know, they're like a kilo. That's like 2.2 pounds of (laughs) uh, like I I couldn't consume this in a week. I don't think. Well, maybe I could. Um, But I was just wondering, are there places where you could just get a slice of panettone? Because I didn't see it. I'm sure that places offer it, but I, I, I hadn't noticed that. Yes, pavé will definitely have that for sure. If it's not a proper slice, there is, um, you know, it's a, a smaller version, like a, um, um, they say in Italian, a monoporzione, like a single portion of it, a, a miniature version. Minis again, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. The um, Ver- Vergani, which I mentioned before, where they do the barbayada, they always have panettone year-round by the slice. And there's another place, Pasticceria San Gregorio, uh, near Porta Venezia, that has panettone year-round by the slice as well. There's a, you're seeing it more and more because it really is the signature suite of the city. And a lot of places are just like, why are we limiting this to, to Christmas time? Yeah, uh, you can do it year round. And uh, I love panettone. I love it, especially like grilled. That's my or toasted. That's my favorite way to have uh, panettone. It's so good. And I'll bet I'll bet someone in Milan is uh, serving it with a side of apricot jam because (laughs) you got to have apricot (laughs) jam, right? Um, there's got I'm sure someone does yes <laughs> you let me know send me a picture when you find it because I know it's somewhere in Milan some somebody's done it um I will <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about wine because in the last episode we talked a lot about cocktails you know I I think of I think of cities sometimes I, I put cities into categories like there are beer cities and there are wine cities and then I think of Milan is like a more of a cocktail city but you said last week that wine is definitely becoming more and more popular 
in Milan, especially natural wine. Um, expand on that idea a little bit, if you could, Jackie. Something happened over the last few years. Like the natural wine scene has just exploded here. And it, and don't get me wrong, there are places, for instance, the restaurant Pasta Madre in Porto Romana. I believe that opened in 2012. And the owner and chef, he's been had a, he's had an all-natural wine list since it opened. And there's there's a place that opened on the Neville in 2014 called Vinoir. And that was one of the first natural wine bars in the city. It's all natural wine. And now they have a, a cucina or a kitchen. So you can go there and have a proper meal with the natural wine. But you know, something just happened, maybe starting in 2016 or 2017, just all of these natural wine bars started opening and they've really shifted the city's aperitivo culture. As I had mentioned before, a lot of the Milanese have decided to go to these places to, to have their aperitivo. And instead of getting uh, an eight euro cocktail with a buffet of free food, they buy a bottle of wine and, and pay for their food and have really great, you know, salame or crostone to go along with it. Some of these wine bars aren't equipped with a, a proper a proper kitchen. So it's usually pre-prepared food, but it, they're really just, they've completely expanded and shifted the city's aperitivo culture. And I always say it's, it's um, a must experience in Milan, a natural wine aperitivo. You know, I'm so fixated, I guess, on the Piedmont region when it comes to wines because, you know, Barolo is my all-time favorite varietal. But um, I'm just wondering, are there uh, Lombardy region wines that we should think about when we come there? Because I always want to try the local wine. And I'm wondering if there's something uh, from your region that we should be getting when we come to Milan. Absolutely. Yes. So let's start in the north. If you go up to, to Valtellina in, in the Alps there, there are um, the, the Nebbiolo grape thrives there. But and a lot of winemakers, they make Nebbiolo wines in, in Valtellina and they use a lot of them use the, the local dialect term for it, which is Chiavanesca. But the grape there is different than Piemonte, but it does its own thing. I would also suggest the wines of Franciacorta, which are sparkling wines made using the classic method. They're located about an hour outside of Milan. And then south of Milan is the, um, the Oltrepo Pavese, which is a region near Pavia. It literally means like beyond the Po River, Oltrepo. And there's excellent winemakers there where they're doing interesting things with Pinot Noir. Some are making sparkling classic method wines and others are making the more traditional reds. And also there's a lot of great Rieslings coming from that area as well. Uh, before we let you go, Jackie, I just, you know, folks who are going to come to Milan and they definitely should, um, are probably going to do more than eating and drinking. Although I don't know who these people are, but um, they're, you know, they're going to want to go and do some sightseeing. They're going to want to see some attractions. And of course, they're going to go probably to the uh, Duomo, the cathedral. They're probably going to want to go see the Last Supper. And these these types of things, they're very well known, the Leonardo da Vinci Museum. But do you have any recommendations for other places, maybe even off the beaten path places that people should see when they come to Milan? Yes. So I would definitely recommend this place does get some press and you might find it in some 
guidebooks, but it's highly recommended. The Villa Necki Campiglio. I know that it's gotten some some press before. It does show up in, in um, I would say it's not in every must visit Milan. And it's not in every list of things to do in Milan, but the people who really know Milan will suggest this. It's this incredible mansion in the city center built in the 1930s that has, um, it's just this design masterpiece. The arc, the original architect was Piero Portoluppi, who is, um, I would say he is to Milan what Haussmann is to Paris, except his his um, architecture is much more discreet. You kind of have to to know where where to find it. And it, it's just this design masterpiece. And it's actually been used as in the as the backdrop of certain films, one um, being Io Sono L'Amore or I Am Love with um, Tilda Swinton's in it. It was directed by Luca Guadagnino. And it, it's just, it, it's just spectacular. And I think it, it really, you know, how Milan is such a, a design mecca. So I, I think it's a, an important must-see for anyone visiting town. There are some really quirky spots as well. One being there, there's an old a Hollywood Walk of Fame from the '90s that oh. started as an initiative. Yeah, it started as an initiative, and then it was completely abandoned. But <laughs> if you go there and look at it, it's not far from the Duomo, and you really have to know it's there. It's pretty much hidden in plain sight. But there are the handprints of you know, think of people from the '80s and '90s like. Um, Patrick Swayze, the Beverly Hills 90210 cast like Shannon Doherty and Luke Perry. Sylvester Stallone has his handprints there. Raquel Welch. Oh, it's, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of people know about it, but I think that the, it's really, um, it, it's it's cool. It's it's fun to see. For something really European, I, I would suggest in, um, in Piazza Santo Stefano, the church is called San Bernardino alle Osse, and it has an ossuary attached to it. So when um, a local, this back hundreds of years, it, it dates back to the, the 1200s, actually, a local cemetery got full. So they just decided to put the bones on display in in the in an ossuary. When you walk into the church, it's, it's to the right and it's it's kind of cool to see because it's something that's so European that you you know you're not going to to see in America. It's also kind of morbid as well. Every a couple of times I popped in, of course I went to see it the first time I came to Milan, and I brought guests to see it. But I never take pictures or video it because I just feel like it's kind of disrespectful to the the dead in there. <laughs> the only other thing I would say is don't go on Sunday because they do have services in the church and the ossuary is closed on Sunday. Thank you for that. Yes, that is very true. Yes. I also love I I also just love walking around and looking at the the architecture. There's so many spectacular details in the design. Like there's one building on Corso Venezia. I believe it's Corso Venezia 22. That's the address of it, but the the iron gate is, is sort of sculpted into to ropes and it just looks so cool. The, the advice I always give people when you're there, I think you really just need to keep your eyes open and look up and just really look at, at the details. Cause I mean, that's, that's how the city, it that's how the city really won me over and it won over a lot of other people that I know too, because it's not in your face, like Rome, Venice and Florence. You really have to, 
to look and take the time and, and get to know the city. And I think that's one of the best ways to do so. Great advice, Jackie. Well, uh, Jackie DiGiorgio, thank you so much for being back on Destination Eat Drink. If folks want to get in touch with you to book a private tour or to check out your writing, uh, where can they find you? I have a blog called A Signorina in Milan. Uh, com, and you can find my writing on there as well as my contact info because I do offer food tours in Milan. So if anyone's coming to Milan and would like a food tour, I'd be happy to um to to accommodate you. So yeah, please feel free to to get in touch with me. Yeah, and Jackie knows all the places. I'm here to testify firsthand. <laughs> she knows all the places in Milan. Um, and her blog is is very entertaining as well. Well, Jackie, thanks so much for being on Destination Eat Drink. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So much fun. And thanks for taking the time today. And thank you so much for taking the time. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. And I'm I'm so honored to be a guest on your show. So thank you so much, Brent. Okay. That's Milan with Jackie. What a great conversation about a city that's a little hard to understand at first, but is truly worth visiting. And Jackie is a delightful person. You know, a lot of my guests I only get to talk to over Zoom. Some of them I've had the pleasure of meeting in person, but a lot of them I don't just because of the distances involved in the travel. But Jackie and I and Karen sat down and had a coffee and some pastries. And I can tell you, she's just a delightful, wonderful person. You can connect with Jackie at asignorainmilan.com. I've also got a link to Jackie's site, as well as the places she talked about in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash ded252. Well, that'll put a bow on this show. Next week, we're talking soup. After all, weather's cooling down. It's going to be October, so let's take the chill off with a reboiled soup from Florence, pho from Vietnam, a hangover cure in Colombia, and much, much more. Don't miss that. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about the famous and opulent church in Portugal called the Geronimos Monastery. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. I also just posted a brand new video, and speaking of Milan, it's a video about The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci in Milan, plus some of my favorite foodie recommendations in the city. You can get that by going to DestinationEatDrink.com and clicking on the video tab, or by going to YouTube at DestinationEatDrink946. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>